Gold is back at 1940. It's not just Ukrainians fleeing. Russians are fleeing as well. We'll talk about why Russians are rushing to get out of Russia. Oil is surging. Palladium surging. Biden's Bidening. <laughs> as always, it's a bizarre world out there. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 159 of our weekly therapy session, otherwise known as Bizarro World. Nick, how goes it? It's a whole lot of Russian, Gerardo. Um, I'm a fan of the white Russians. Also a fan of Pete Lebowski. How's it going? It's, it's uh, you know, we're safe, we're healthy, it's sunny, family's healthy, business is good, life is great, cannot complain. Um, things are good, things are good. Let's get right into the markets. We talked last week about expecting 50 to $100 swings in the gold price because of what we identified as capital looking to position itself that maybe wasn't hedged, um, and then capital that's looking to liquidate to cover positions that are blowing up. A lot of hedge funds got caught with their hand in the cookie jar and are having to shut down. Um, this past week played out exactly how we thought it would play out with gold pushing back down uh, close to, you know, the, the high 1800s, low 1900s. And here we are on Thursday, March the 3rd and closed right at 1940. I suspect we'll continue to see that volatile trading, but I do see the trend to the upside. How do you see it, Mr. Hodge? Uh, for sure. The trend in gold and gold equities finally is to the upside. Um, I bought myself some GDXJ today. So um, it's not just, you know, people that want positioned. It's, you know, I certainly knew gold was a, a place to be. But uh, when you see prolonged volatility and when you see a prolonged downside in the S&P, it only makes sense to get more exposure to the things that are going up. And so um, I probably don't have to tell you I own plenty of gold stocks, but uh, I'm still increasing my exposure, <laughs> at least on the uh, the macro side of things, right? Not, that's not in there buying like a penny stock or doing a private placement. I mean, I'm getting the GDXJ because it's liquid. It's, uh, I think, an important point. So uh, you talk about $50 swings. If that is going to be the case, I can get in and out of a GDX or a GDXJ and I can't get out of a pick your flavor junior minor, right? And so uh, one of the reasons I was doing that and then uh, volatility is still very high. So um I haven't written my issue today, but I was starting to. And if you look at volatility, like ever since we knew about the virus and the world was going to end and the S&P collapsed, ever <laughs> since then, the S&P was generally making its way down. And so you could buy the dip in, in, in equities uh, as volatility was trending down. But ever since really late last year, the volatility is now trending up and the war doesn't make that um, any better. And so uh, I guess the analogy of what I was trying to say is that, you know, you really, it's not a buy the dip thing when the volatility is going up. So you're, you need more exposure to those defensive things, which we've been talking about now for a couple of months. It has been, we must say the 100% correct call. I mean, the S&P is still down 8% of the year. You mentioned head funds. Um, some are going to have to close their doors, some down 30 or 40% for the year. And so, um, yeah, and don't know been... how to allocate capital, right? That's the thing they 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 were fooled by a bull market. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think it's an important point to make. There's a lot of traders and a lot of funds that have only traded and allocated capital in a bull market since 2008, with very few hiccups along the way. And I think it's starting to show. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of young traders out there. There's a lot of people who haven't seen a, a rate rising or a hawkish environment. There's a lot of people that haven't seen an escalating conflict. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot going on. There's still a lot that has to be remedied. The market hasn't figured everything out itself yet, which is one of the reasons volatility remains high. Um, bond yields pulled back a little bit, but everyone's still waiting for the, the Federal Reserve, I think. And um, I don't know if we'll expand on it or not, but they had, as you said, and as we've discussed a little bit, their little out, right? You know, mm. Jerome's out there this week saying, we're still going to raise rates, but we're keeping an eye on the situation in Ukraine because we've got to be sensitive to that, right? And he told the market, we're just going to raise, just, we're just going to give you the tip on a, on, a, on, a hike, on a rate hike, right? It's just going to be the tip, just a little bit, just a little 25 basis points. He's already telegraphed what to expect, right? And I think if this is the way that it's going to go, now, when inflation is red hot, when inflation, you know, is, is likely peaking in a lot of sectors, um, not, not that I believe it's transitory, but I do think in a lot of areas it, it's peaked. I think in other areas it, it's not, but that's a separate conversation. But as far as Jerome goes, if 25 basis points is all he's going to recommend this go round, maybe he gets off another one. I keep saying this almost every week. After that, I don't think the market's going to give him the opportunity to raise anymore. Hey. And what do you mean by that? You think that we're in for more downside in the in the equities? Well, look, let, let, let's talk why Russians are fleeing Russia, right? There's rumors of martial law being implemented in Russia. And so we now have Russians rushing, pun intended, to get out of Russia. They've shut down two of the major networks in Russia, the independent ones. Vladimir's urging, urging um, the way former KGB agents urge, uh, people to only listen and watch trusted sources is how they're framing it for the news, right? And so people are worried that there's going to be a martial law declaration where you wake up and that's it. Everything's frozen and you're stuck. Russia's not going to continue to allow the seizing and freezing of assets, whether it's legal or illegal. And I do want to get into that a little bit later on because there's, there's, I have issues with some of the way that that's being done by the U.S. and other countries as well. But they're not going to continue to do that without cyber attacks, serious cyber attacks. And look, it may sound a little bit tinfoil hat-ish. You may want to take some pictures of those bank accounts that you have. You, you may want to withdraw a little bit extra money and make sure you have a month or two uh, under the mattress. You may want to invest in a little bit extra food because it wouldn't surprise me to see the electrical grid taken down for and you know, undetermined period of time. It wouldn't surprise me to see major institutions, the Wells Fargo's, the JP Morgan's, the Schwab's of the world down for three to five days. There has to be retaliation from Russia. There's no way, whether he's saying or not, that this continues on with just Ukraine as the main event, the main entree. And so when, you know, when you game theory it out and you look at where Russia is nimble enough to attack in an effective manner, that seems like the obvious spot for me. And again, tinfoil hat and all, right? Maybe it's nothing, but man, I sure would hate to wake up and uh, servers are down and accounts are erased. And we don't know that you had your million or two million or three million or $10 million in the bank. Prove it. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned the effectiveness. Um, you know, he said that there was going to be retaliation for anyone that, that intervened, um, you know, the likes of which we've never seen before, I think was the quote. Um, but it, so far, the invasion of Ukraine itself hasn't seemed so effective. And um, I think that's maybe affecting his decision decision making a little bit. Like, um, 
first of all, it's been well over a week and they haven't toppled Ukraine, right? Uh, Ukraine, A, put up more of a fight than I think uh, Russia thought or than uh, Putin thought they were going to put up. And then um, there's just been some inefficiencies, right? Like uh, ill preparedness, I guess. <laughs> like I was seeing pictures today of trucks stuck in the mud, um, for example. Um, and I'm no history buff and certainly no war buff, but I was reading other people who were saying, you know, some of the clear lessons from the world wars were in fucking Eastern front gets muddy in the spring. I mean, it's like a thing, I guess. And so um, I think he might be reeling, in fact, a little bit and wanting to lash out. You know, I think it was Medvedev the other day who was tweeting something sort of like his hype man, right? Like y'all better watch out like what you wish for. And so, um, it wouldn't surprise me for him to lash out. I don't know what his capacity is or, or how much more efficient they are with the, um, whatever, the digital weapons or the hacking than they are with the, the true military. But we'll see. And it's you, you and I were talking about this last week. It's one of those things that we harped on, at least I did for a while, right? Have the things, right? Have the pantry stock, the water, the whatever, the generator. And, and they're fortunate we do. And, and, and we'll see where it, if any consequences like that uh, come, hopefully not. And, and where I was going with my point to finish answering your question, Nick, in regards to Powell and the market not letting him enforce a third or a fourth hike of, of, of substance is it has been a relatively inept invasion up until now on Russia's behalf. And, and thankfully, although it's been horrendous to see, you know, the images and the pictures of apartment buildings hit and people fleeing with their pets and their belongings and in the street and then some deaths, it hasn't been as as gruesome as I think it can be and and, and likely will be if, if Putin continues to be ineffective. Um, I don't think it remains this linear forever. And so what happens when we do get hit with that first cyber attack, that second cyber attack? What happens when it's not a hundred people dead. It's a thousand people dead on either side. What happens if he is unstable and we end up with something that nobody can imagine right now? Um, you know, one human toll, but two, there's no way that Powell's going to raise into that. He's going to have all the cover that he needs to avoid doing so. And I think gold sniffing that out. And I think, look, palladium just hit a seven month high. Silver just broke 25. Oil's at 110. I could continue on. Aluminum, talk about tinfoil hats. You want to have fun? Go look at an aluminum chart, y'all. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's ridiculous, right? And so, again, despite the volatility, it has been relatively predictable up until now. I mean, look, when, when, when you mentioned last week, you mentioned it, you, you watching and observing the invasion on CNN, you know, with Applebee's commercials in between, right? Because that's the world we live in now. We didn't know. I cer certainly did not know. How, how deadly it was going to be initially, the order of things, how aggressive it was going to be. It seems like now here we are a week later, and this may just be, you know, getting acclimated to, 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 to knowing that the war is happening and desensitizing a bit. It seems like it feels a little bit more predictable right now, which is exactly when things usually happen, right? Just when you start thinking you have the ebb and the flow of whatever it is. It could be the markets. It could be war. It could be anything, life. Um, that's usually when you get caught off guard. And I'm, I worry a little bit more, I think, than the average person that we're going to get caught off guard, not just in the Ukraine and not just in Russia, but here in the U.S. 
And we haven't even talked China, right? We, we haven't even, you know, mentioned China getting in the mix and Taiwan and, you know, how that situation can escalate. Because if you're ever going to do that, now's the perfect time. I was just going to bring that up. I mean, go on. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, look, I think everything that's happening in the Ukraine, um, China's already drawn the line in the sand and we already know who they're backing, right? And so they've already picked their fighter and, and, and the world's already condemning their buddy, Russia. Then why not just go after Taiwan and go wrap that one up since they've been wanting to anyway? Well, right. That's the, at least, you know, the, the thinking that's out there uh, among people that think about the things. I, I don't know. I have no expertise, but, you know, just from a common sense standpoint, it does seem like if, uh, they were going to do something that now would be the time. And it's not like that hasn't also been simultaneously escalating with the uh, threats in the China Sea and things like that. So um, hope for the best, prepare for the worst is where we are. And it's uh, so interesting that, you know, we haven't mentioned COVID, right? It's like, where's the, the virus? COVID's that, over now. That's right. The, well, that's sort of what I was getting at, right? <laughs> I mean, it just disappears, poof, gone. Like uh, vaccine mandates gone, mask mandates gone, even advancing or uh, making the deadline earlier for taking the masks off. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's absolutely incredible relative to um, what we saw, the posturing about the, the misinformation and things like that. So um, it was the biggest deal in the world until um, it was actually a big deal. Yeah. Back to the markets. Copper's running again, 473 as we speak. I mentioned, uh, you know, palladium earlier, I mentioned lithium, platinum, you know, looks solid. I mean, all across the commodity space, um, it looks good. We have to talk uranium. Um, we have to talk Germany getting a dose of reality the same way America is getting a dose of reality when it comes to their critical metal supply and the legislation that, you know, seems to be advancing at a snail's pace um, here in this country in regards to establishing, you know, a supply chain of critical metals and, and everything that goes into those things. But um, Germany now appears ready to backtrack on shutting down its nuclear capacity um, and, and, and quite possibly looks to be bringing demand online, which I don't think is anything anybody had on the bingo card. But again, the writers in 2022 are getting very creative. It's only March and, oh, buddy, are they busy? Uh, you know, Germany, uh, to those uh, who are new to the uh, what energy scene or, or just you know, coming to this story now, we should lay a little bit of background, right? They've been uh, one of the countries who has uh, tried to shy away from nuclear. Um, and those of us that are pro-nuclear or bullish on uranium have been saying that that was a mistake for a while now. I mean, I've had Germany slides and talks for, for several years. And uh, it didn't make sense even before this war because what happened and this is fact, this isn't conjecture, is their emissions went up when they took the nukes offline because they ended up having to make up the gap. And you can't make up the gap with things that don't emit carbon. You have to make it up with something that burns. And so <laughs> they weren't even burning clean shit. They were burning fucking lignite to, to, make, uh, <laughs> to make up the gap in Germany. And so everybody was already saying, like, that's pretty dumb, man. Like you have these fleets of, of reactors and you have them offline and your emissions are going up. So uh, one of the thoughts in the uranium space was that countries like that were making a mistake and others would realize that um, nuclear was a green technology. And that has been starting to happen over the past couple of even years. But certainly in the past, I would say, I guess, six to 12 months, we've seen 
um, you know, environmentalists acclimate to the fact that there's nuclear is simply a key part of the mix. Um, and that's accepted now. What's uh, and we've talked about, you know, it's interesting how these catalysts expedite things. Right. We talked in, in, in the past two years how COVID um, expedited a lot of things, social change and things like that. Well, here you have a war expediting the, the energy uh, change or at least the reverberation back to nuclear. Right. And so. You know, I see a lot of apologies as well. I talk to people in the nuclear space and they always leave with, you know, it's, it, we hate that it's like this, you know, we're sorry about the thing in, in, in Ukraine, but fucking your engines through the roof is the next sentence out of the mouth, right? And it's like, um, it's obviously a horrible thing, but we've always said that, you know, you're going to see catalysts. Like when you talk about jurisdictional risks, right? I mean, one of the, the prime bullish cases for uranium is that you were reliant on Russian states for your primary supply, right? And so when something happens that takes the primary supply from the Russian states offline, no fucking shit. I mean, the price of uranium is going to go up and that's precisely what we prepared for. And so um there's a lot of people out there i think who should realize if they didn't already and who should quell their um arguments and change their positioning um and just from a pure investment standpoint i mean the catalysts are unfolding rapidly you mentioned oil above uh, 110 and uranium over uh, 50 dollars, and, and still not really to the place it needs to be to incent production to come online and um, gosh, I could talk about a lot of things like if Russia is going to be sanctioned, I mean, the utilities are going to have to think about reducing their dependence, long term dependence on uh, contracting from from Kazakh and 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 Russian supply. And so then you still got the whole climate thing going on, like um, COP26 was just in November and they finalized um, Article 6, which is how like countries and, and companies can work together to generate carbon credits because they've been fighting about it literally for six years. I, I covered COP13, Gerardo. <laughs> it's COP26. Um, um, so now that like, the carbon markets are getting underway. You'll be 90 years old talking about this. <laughs> I know. I know. And you know, you know, other people are writing about this. Marin's got a deal. He's been writing a lot about carbon. Yep. And we're seeing some other yep, carbon deals. It coming back into the fore and, you know, everything is cyclical. I was writing about carbon markets in 2010 and 11, right? And they failed because there was never a good framework. So um, anyway, there's still this whole race to zero thing is what I was going to say. And um, people are going to need carbon-free sources of energy. So all the things are, not all the things, but many of the catalysts are, are coming together. And, and some of them are positive and, and some of them are unfortunately negative, but um, all of them were part of the bull case for uranium. And look, whether it's lithium, whether it's rare earths, whether it's uranium, um, whether it's copper, these are all themes that we've been writing about for years. Jurisdictional risk aside, just based on supply demand fundamentals. And I got, you know, I have news for everyone. The risk has always been on the supply side, not the demand side. The supply demand fundamentals were already robust. If everything went along smoothly, no, no, no strikes in, in Chile, no strikes in Peru, no mine closures, you know, no war. If, all, if none of that ever happened, we still were looking at deficits for at least a couple of years, at the very least in the lithium space, the uranium space and a couple of other sectors, right? Copper, um, war and everything that's going on simultaneously just, you know, amplifies the need the urgent need for safe supply and 
look, it takes time to permit these things. It takes time to develop mines. It takes time to build them. And sure in the heck takes a lot of time to get them into production. So, you know, the, 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 the silver lining in all this is, you know, as a capitalist, if you've been positioned right, you've done very well. Um, if you haven't been positioned right, there's still years of what you call inflation profits, Nick, um, in years of inflation profits to, to, to make and to take and to book and to hedge against what's going to be, you know, a, a, a more co costly landscape for everything. You know, Target here saw an article the other day. They're raising the minimum wage to twenty five dollars an hour. That's substantial. I remember four years ago, if you if you wanted to raise in New York for McDonald's workers to fifteen dollars an hour, you were called a socialist. Right. Mm -hmm. Like. You, you, you're going to kill business. You're going to kill small businesses as if McDonald's was a small business, right? And yes, I understand most of the locations are franchisees. And I, I, I get that debate and I get that argument. But the bottom line is your business model has to account for increasing cost and, 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 and quality of life. And you can't just continue to pay people three bucks an hour because that's what they made 100 years ago, right? You have to adjust. And so companies that have adjusted are hiring. We're hiring. Mm. <laughs> We're still hiring. Companies that haven't, you know the rest. So long-winded way of saying we have tailwinds in the commodity sector that I think bode very, very, very well for at least the next two to three years. Um, and yeah, everything that comes with that. Have to take a moment to say it was really refreshing to see the Ukrainian president in the streets with his soldiers, suited up, given conferences, Ah, I wish politicians here at home on either side had that type of leadership. Sure. You know, I watched the Biden speech. I watched, you know, um, <laughs> I watched the two little gals that decided to throw a fit in the midst of the speech. And I'm sitting there shaking my head at both, right? Um, Biden is better at reciting Republican talking points than some Republicans are. Um the other two little ladies that decided to throw a fit multiple times during the speech and, and, and use the troops, invoke 13 dead soldiers in Afghanistan as the reason for their fit was shameful because we both know that wasn't why they got out there and threw a tantrum. It wasn't because they were just randomly, suddenly just overwhelmed with passion for the families of those 13 soldiers. Um, but I look at that and I look at, I, I, I look at the, pre the Ukrainian president and I see the way he stepped up in the leadership and look, there, there's a whole different conversation to have about, you know, Ukraine's role in, in, in the diplomatic negotiations prior to the invasion. That's another conversation for another day. It's a beautiful thing to see this man out there in the streets with his soldiers. It's a beautiful thing to see the athletic community, the professional sports community, specifically the Boxers. boxing community, which I love boxing, right? Um, uh, to see them postpone fights and, and give up million dollar paychecks because what's happening at home is more urgent. And a day later, they're, 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 they're in the field, you know, with, with assault rifles and, 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 and tactical gear and camouflaged up and ready to go. It's been several, Vasily Lomachenko, uh, the Klitschko brothers. Um, I, I could go on. The boxing community has stepped up beautifully. Um, the professional sports community has stepped up beautifully. The people of Ukraine stepped up beautifully. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to highlight that, you know, there's a lot of negative uh, little moment and it's kind of tragic in a way. It, it, it leaves a hollow feeling inside knowing that, you know, this doesn't end well at the end of the day for anyone. But, man, I tell you what, 
If you got to, if you got to pick a way to go, that's a hell of a way. I got a lot to say. I was taking notes. Um, and not just Biden and, 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 and our leaders, our elected officials, right? But <laughs> Putin is nowhere near the front lines, right? Um, like his like no. his opponent is out there on the on the front lines, and so uh, that's the first thing. Um, I guess a little bit of background again. Not an expert, but you know he was a comedian. I think people are starting to learn this at this point. He's got a Netflix special. Um, some of which was very on the nose. Like there's a scene in the, the Netflix special where he's uh, gets a call from the EU and he thinks he's getting accepted into the <laughs> European Union and, and it, they got the wrong leader. The, they were accepting some other country and not the Ukraine. I mean, just right on the nose, right? And so um, that's one thing. I mean, he's of the people, right? He's, he's, a, he's like a comedian. And so um, he's also young, I think is a point that I wanted to make. We talk about the fourth turning a lot. And so... Uh, he's 44 years old, born in 1978. If you were to classify that under like current generational framework, he's like a late, late Gen X. Uh, we can't quite put him in an old millennial, but he's damn close, right? If he were like three years younger, he would be like one of the oldest millennials. And so you're starting to see that literal turning of the leadership, right? Which is what it's all about. And then you see, yeah, all the whatever drooping plastic in the chamber of congress during the the state of the union or propped up plastic in some cases um and and i see people one of the tweets i saw was <laughs> it's just oh, so staged oh it's so bad what the fuck are we doing? i tuned in for 15 minutes and i just couldn't but um but, but i did see i did, I did see some people tw- i know I did see some people tweeting like, why do all our leaders look like they're on their deathbed or like they're dying? And I just wanted to shout through the Twitter sphere, like, because it's a fucking fourth turning. Like you've got all the uh, previous two generations taking the, all the leadership positions, right? Those, the literally the boomers born in late 1930s, 1940s. Right. And mm-hmm. so, um, they will start to be replaced. And that's the reason you see all these old literal geezers in, in Congress. And that's the answer to um, that question. And on both sides, too. You know, when the camera cut to Mitch McConnell, I thought it was a, a wax figure, man. It's like, I mean, these people just have no life in them. Yeah. And then you, you see the Zelensky, right? <laughs> Full of life out there engaging. I mean, literally putting his life on the line. He's not some stodgy uh, guy who doesn't relate and is... Uh, a total facade, which is what all politicians have become, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. He's clipped up, and he's got the coffee in his hand, and you know the trauma plate inside the vest. He, he ain't doing it for Trump. That's exactly right. And I guess the last thing I was going to say is that you know we offered to evacuate him, and and he was like, "No, I'm not going. Uh, I need well, he said, I need a ride. I need ammunition." Yeah. So, in that way, he's inspired the people, which I think a lot of. Uh, politicians outside of Bernie Sanders in the U.S. have have failed to do. I mean, you got people out there cutting up styrofoam to put in Molotov cocktails, man. I mean, some of the videos are insane. Hey, nothing but love and and good vibes and good energy to the people in the Ukraine. And look, and and on the Russian side, to people in Russia that are out there protesting against the war, because don't underestimate the pressure that Putin and and, and his group are are, are, are under from a lot of pro-Ukrainian Russians in Russia that are out there at the risk of being arrested, and they are. There's been nearly a thousand arrests in the past several days Mm. as news stations are being taken off the network. People are out there literally risking their liberty for their neighbor 
standing in solidarity saying, we don't want or need this war. Leave them the fuck alone and get out and come take care of business at home. And again, they should be commended. Um, let me talk about, I want to talk about something that I don't think, I, I sure in the heck haven't seen it in the media. Martin Armstrong mentioned it briefly in one of his blogs. Um, the way that the world is going about seizing Russian assets. I haven't seen how we're qualifying, and I'm no expert in this, but how we're qualifying whose assets are eligible to be seized. Is it just that you're a wealthy Russian in the hundreds of millions and billions and then it must be ill-gotten gains so it can just be taken? Um, or, or, or is there a, a better vetting process for this? Because be careful what you wish for people. I talk about slippery slopes all the time and how precedents you know, some, sometimes forecast the future. Um, and we talk about civil forfeiture here in the U.S. where the government could just, you know, you're driving around, pull you out of your truck, you got a lot of cash in hand because maybe you fear that we're going to get hacked and you want some cash on hand just in case of an emergency. The government thinks it's suspicious. They can take your stuff and keep it until they decide they want to give it back to you or you're wealthy enough or rich enough or connected enough to have a lawyer go represent you and get your stuff back. And in this country, it's taken years sometimes to get substantial amounts of money and property back from the government when no crime was ever committed and nobody was ever accused of a crime. So if that's where we're at now in this country and now internationally, I see the cheering of, of, of wealthy Russian yachts and, and assets being frozen. Do, do you have an idea on how they're qualifying this? No. Am, I, am, I, am I a little tinfoil adage to think like, this may not be the, 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 the precedent that we want to set? Shouldn't there be a, a something explained where, yes, this is being seized because of this, not just rich Russian, let's take it. Yeah, no, I don't know the whatever qualifications that are being taken to are being used to, to seize those assets. I haven't seen, and, and probably because I haven't looked, but any specific cases of, of, <laughs> of assets being um, frozen, though the point you raised is obviously a valid one. I mean, there's uh, you would want there to be some sort of, uh, due process or, or qualification to, to why the assets were being seized. Um, I guess I would think about the other sanctions we've seen, like some of the um, hmm. preventing of payments and stuff, I think is different than seizing assets, right? And so I, I'd want to parse that out, right? Because when you're, when you're stopping transactions, uh, taking them out of banking systems, part, pausing SWIFT or taking them out of SWIFT, you're... You're, you're stopping the country and its constituents and its companies from doing business, which is meant to, you know, squeeze the, the noose or tighten the, the grip, right? So they, they feel the pressure. Um, and, and I agree with those. Those are a, those are a, a freeze. And, and again, not an expert and, and I haven't read a lot, but I have seen that, you know, the SWIFT thing, last week we were talking and they didn't include them in SWIFT and now everybody is wanting to include them in SWIFT, but still not all SWIFT payments is what I'm reading. There's certain things mm -hmm. that, anyway, so there's always a, a loophole, right? Which is another thing I would say uh, is, is worth keeping an eye on. But uh, blanket seizures of, um, of wealth is is no it's a dangerous precedent although um given the nature of, of who these people are and, and who they're known to associate with i can't imagine let me say not can't 
I wouldn't think it would be too difficult to tie it up. <laughs> this is 2022, up Nick. We can imagine right, anything. So this is where I'm getting, I guess, right? Um, you were telling me about somebody you know who donated 20 bucks to the uh, or 60 bucks or something to the Canadian Truckers Convoy, right? And ended up having some implications from that. Like, um, yeah, CEO that knew somebody. And, correct. And yeah. this is a wider discussion about crypto. So let me take a, another note. Um, but they knew where the money came from, right? I mean, it was $60 fucking dollars and they knew where it came from and who it went to. So you think they don't know whose assets these are? I mean, it would be nice if there was some sort of transparency, but I have to imagine that they know whose assets they're freezing and, and, and why they are done so. And what I want is the, is the transparency, right? You got to put it out in, in the public yes. realm to say, this is why this account is frozen or this person's assets are frozen. And this is why, not just we've frozen the accounts because otherwise if there's no transparency, um, there's no accountability. Right. And, and then I was going to pivot to crypto because, uh, and this is a little bit off topic, but one of the things I see people worried about, not just recently, but even a year or two ago is the fed going to you know do some digital currency is the U S going to have this digital currency. And then somebody sent me something today, a text about you know, Europe or, or England doing a, a digital currency and they were, uh, inflating it, I might say conflating it with like a social credit system, right? Mm. They were saying that they're going to use that to have like a Chinese social credit system. And I, I cited the exact example. I was like, technically, like it's already quasi implemented. It's just, there's no like score tied to it, right? Because if you donate 60 bucks to someone they don't like, they can find you and seize it and, and knock on your door, right? With, without any sort of government digital currency implemented. It, it, what I was saying is there's already a digital currency. I mean, you know, you don't pay for everything with paper dollars or coins and you swipe your card, right? And so there's already a trail, uh, a literal digital trail of, of where those dollars are um, going. And I guess what I'm building up here is a bull case for crypto because um, in, in a couple of fronts, one, we already talked about this, if you donate it via a DeFi wallet, you did not get that seized and you did not get a knock at the door. Um, it, to tie it to the Ukraine thing, I mean, you're seeing people getting airdrops like fucking um, yeah. video game wars funded by uh, crypto funds, right? And <laughs> um, and and that's all um, theoretically untraceable. So, uh, long answer, sorry. Um, I'm going to take it all the way to, to de no, decentralized uh, organisms, which Chris has been writing about a little bit, mm -hmm. and I've mentioned here and there. Um, but, you know, when you think about direct democracy and you think about these people who are elected to be your leaders who, who don't affect the will of the people and you think, well, you know, why can't we just vote on every issue like a, like a, like a true democracy? And they, they talk about just like they talk about for elections, right? Like the security of it. And we can't have uh, elections like, well, why can't you have digital elections? You know, if I all my money is stored electronically and uh, whatever, I can get educated electronically. Why can't I vote electronically? And one of the things that uh a decentralized autonomous organism does is allows you to build those platforms in conjunction with assets, right? So uh, not only can you vote uh, about where you want assets to go in the case of like the Assange DAO that, that Chris Kroll was writing about, uh, it's leaderless, right? It's like a hive and you can vote. Do we want to, do we want this money to pay for this legal defense fund for Assange? And you can vote. And there's a, there's a, 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 a transparent, that's what kicked me off on this thing, a transparent record of the vote, mm. right? On, yes. on the blockchain. Yes, 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 yes. So um, I think that's sort of uh, where things are, are headed, right? Because 
think about it. You can use it to vote for anything, uh, even in the United States, to vote on issues that 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 your elected leaders aren't giving you the results you want on. And so I think that's the big fear with uh, crypto and decentralization, even more so than the the dollar and the tracking. I mean, fuck, they're already tracking your dollars. It's the control and the limiting of the of the of the of the them being able to hide and keep things in the what you would call, you know, cigar smoke filled rooms or whatever that the well, Wizard of Oz, I guess, would be another one is stepping out from behind the curtain. And in that respect, um, it's sort of, you know, what the uh, one of the bigger facets of the turning. Right. It's like if you have this accountability, all that oligarch stuff is out there um, anyway. And so a lot of the problems that cause the things that we talk about as a bizarre world start to, um, you know, go away. A lot there. Um, well said. Again, I, I wrote earlier this week, and we've been writing. We've both written about it for years on end. But you know, the the, the trend of, of of governments seeking to limit your liberties, whether it's voting, whether it's you know your reproductive options, health, um, whether it's who you can sleep with or marry whether it's how you can spend your money and how much and where. Um, I don't know. You know, um, Reagan's got that old great line that he used during his re-election campaign, are you better off, right, than you were four years ago? And that's what got him elected the first go-around to the presidency. Um, I, I, I would ask people that listen to this and that read our stuff, like, do you feel more free than you did, I don't know, four years ago? Eight years ago, 15 years ago, I sure in the hell don't. And I grew up broke where we're like, I'm not supposed to feel free, right? Like I'm, I'm, I grew up in low income communities, son of immigrants, parents didn't have citizenship or residency till I was eight, nine years old, came about because of Reagan. Every, you know, I've, I've talked about my story often, but when you come from, you know, that kind of background and you come from another country and, you know, you're working your way up. It's not the most free of environments, whether it's your education options or, or, or the options as it relates to employment or upward mobility. But in true, you know, productive immigrant fashion, you make it work for yourself, right? Um, now that I have a little bit, right, um, I should feel a whole heck of a lot more free. And sure, I can buy more stuff, um, can buy more homes, we can buy more cars, we can buy better meals. But as it relates to government and how much of what I do really is private? I sure in the heck don't feel a lot more free than I did 10 or 15 much years harder. ago. I feel a lot less Much harder to cross borders. Um, and you just saw uh, a very uh, authoritarian period where in some cases you weren't allowed to leave your home hmm. in uh, developed Western nations. And um, if I were not to take the back stairwell when I leave today and walk through the lobby of my building, I'd still have to put a mask on to go to my car. And so... Um, there's ways to control you. You just saw it for two years. Here in Texas, Governor Abbott and his little buddy, Attorney General Ken Paxton, want to investigate parents of trans kids that are receiving they care got you. to facilitate a transition for child abuse, a felony child abuse. They got sued. <laughs> They're being sued. Yeah. They did. Because I was asking, I was asking what I other... asked you last week was, did this go through Congress, like the state legislature? Did they pass it? And you said no. It was like the stroke of a pen from a Paxton. 
Ken Paxton gave right. a legal opinion. He said he thought it constituted child abuse, and Abbott said, okay, there's a law in the right. book that says um, child abuse is already against the law. And the lawsuit so. says exactly that. This wasn't like past legislation. This is like edict or whatever. So interesting. We'll see. The same people that want to make it harder to vote. Same people that don't want you to take three or more well, people in a car because it'll be a misdemeanor if you're driving. You really want to save vote. the same people. It's, I, we were out to dinner this past uh, weekend and I had a, a couple of cocktails and, mm. and we got talking about some of the stuff. And I was telling people about the, my libertarian view, basically. I was like, why would you take orders from anyone? Why would you? I mean, I just brought it all the way to Epstein. I was like, you just saw prime ministers and like the highest ranking officials and bankers in the world, like get away with a child pedophilia ring. Like, why would you listen to anything they fucking say? Right. And I think that's where a lot of people are going. I agree. I agree. Um, let's pivot back to the markets before we go, Nick. What do you like? What did I tell you? I bought uh, my Baltimore gold stocks. Uh, I haven't been buying a lot. I bought more bonds. So we had been talking that the bond yield was going to pull back. That mm. pulled, that 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 pulled back a uh, a little bit. Um, the ten year doesn't. Yeah, the twos and tens. Twos and tens are saying yeah, recession's well, coming. Yeah, we know the recession's coming. The GDP is going to slow. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not a fucking secret. Unless you, unless, unless you want it to be. Unless you, unless you got unless they, they you don't know, Dick. to sell on CNBC or something. Um, yeah, there's a recession coming. It's, the S&P's going to go down more. So well, that's the answer to your question. It's why I was buying more bonds. It's why I was buying um, more gold. Uh, crypto, didn't. Bitcoin didn't want to hold 45. So... A caution there it nope. can, go, can go back below 40 very fast because it didn't hold 45 um mentioned volatility already it's elevated such that there's there's not a lot to do wait hold cash dollar strong so i mean i'm where i want to be and uh just selectively buying real quality stuff like i was adding you know copper miners for example in the past couple of days just like pecking away but okay. um no, we had Labrador uranium uh, list today. We've mentioned that a couple of times. Um, hopefully, we get a couple more private deals starting to list here. And no, those would, those would be my thoughts. Again, if you have money with a, an advisor or you otherwise put money in a, a retirement account, look at your allocations, especially if they're not picked by you. See how you've done in the past um, couple of months because it's not going to be great. And so... And there's a better way to there's a better way to do it with um i having to, to stress about it a lot and um it starts with taking control of it and doing it yourself so um i guess those would be my thoughts i know obviously we've both written checks recently on similar deals i think we both added to some copper and base metal exposure right um of Rupa Minerals. I'll give you all a freebie. Of Rupa Minerals is a company that I know I wrote a check for. Um, wasn't the biggest of checks, but, you know, at seven and a half cents with the full warrant at 12 or 12 and a half, doesn't take a huge check for that to actually matter one day, right? Good team, good assets. Um, what else? Yeah, you turned me on to a good uranium deal, wrote a check and increased a little bit of uranium exposure there. Um, and yeah, Labrador Uranium. Again, you want another freebie. I gave you all Patriot for the past month and a half, and that's about to make brand new all-time highs, flirting with that 80 cent level. I think it'll trade at a dollar very, very soon. Funded that at 16 cents with a 25 cent warrant. I think it's got a, a lot of room to run. 
I think Labrador Uranium is another one that's got a lot of room to run. You and I ran some comps and we could probably justify, you know, a market cap twice where it's at right now easily. Um, and, and that's without like a rip and roar in Uranium market that I think is in the cards. So uh, get your yeah. money's worth, folks. Yeah, well, I got me thinking about stocks. Um... The Aztec Minerals press releases have been catching my eye. I I'm, I'm not a shareholder, but the, the results they've been delivering are, are pretty impressive. I need to dig in better on that uh, for fear of missing out on something. Um, and then Playboy, um, which uh, I mentioned a couple times, but they reported earnings this week and um, they're doing what I said. It's just not the environment for the stock to go up. So their year over year earnings were up like 70% over 200 million bucks. Um, and they're executing, it's just, you know, what the broader equities are doing. So, um, I continue to be a, a long-term accumulator of Playboy as sort of a, a metaverse play. I mean, they got the, uh, avatars, they got the, the centerfold, which we talked about while you were out, Gerardo, you didn't get a chance to, to weigh in on that. You know, they, they got Nicki Minaj I, I, as the director and they yeah. signed up Mia Khalifa. They've got a couple of other porn stars signed up to centerfold that's sort of like, um, OnlyFans for porn stars is the best way to describe it. And so... Uh, they have Car Cardi B, by the way. Don't start rap beef. It was oh, Cardi, sorry. I'm sorry. God. See, I'm so bad at that stuff. <laughs> you, you, you know those two have a history. You'll have the Nicki Minaj oh, fans on your ass. You'll have the Cardi B fans on your ass. Them. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not hip to all the names. No, 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 no. But I did see that and I did listen. And as I mentioned, I thought it was a, a, a great episode. And look, with Cardi B's following, with her influence, and don't underestimate that woman's intelligence. Don't mistake the fact that she used to dance and talks about her WAP and all of that for a lack of intellect. Uh, that's a smart, smart businesswoman who's done extremely well for herself. I, I, I think it's a good hire. You mentioned ASEC. I got to highlight the numbers because while we're at it, we help find ASEC. Yeah, ASEC I, I know. I didn't write a check and that's well. why I keep looking at the press releases. <laughs> Well, I, I didn't either. I'm kind of kicking myself in the ass a little bit now, though. Again, I still think it's early days and, and in the gold market we're getting into. I think this 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 is headed towards a couple of, you know, million ounce, million gold ounce ass, assets. Let's talk about the Cervantes project in Sonora, Mexico. They intersected 1.49 grams per ton gold over 136.8 yeah. meters, including 3.42 grams per ton over 51.7 meters from surface. And, and, and mind you, it wasn't a one-off. There was another hole there that, that also was pretty substantial. 100.32 meters of 0.75 grams per ton gold from 16 meters. Keep an eye on Aztec, everyone. That's one that I, again, it's not just one project. It's two that I really like. And they're hitting on both Tombstone and... You know, I'm getting old, Gerardo. My hair is starting to go gray. So I just noticed things because... Cause, it worked cause out I, for me. You know, your brain identifies <laughs> patterns after it sees things multiple times, right? It's just like a human thing. And so I don't yes. know. Like, numbers aside, obviously, those are fantastic hits. But even before these results, Simon just carries himself like other CEOs I've seen carry himself that know what they have like, and, and, and they're quietly confident about it. I agree. Uh Good work, Simon. Keep up, keep keep up the uh, keep up the hits there. Um, still like Patriot. Really like Labrador. Wrote a check for Avrupa. A couple of other private ones coming to market. Yeah, a lot to like right now. That's all I got, Mr. Hodge. No, anything else you want to get off it. your mind? Um, no, that's it. Next week I'm talking to a group <clears throat> of 
uh, like, realtors who sell large ranches, like uh, many thousands of acres, um, I guess primarily to corporations because not a lot of people can buy tens of millions of dollar ranches. And so um, it's interesting why they contacted me and I'll have to report back to see how it was received. But they wanted to know um, about the commoditization of real estate. They wanted to know about um, mm. the potential to... To use their, car, their, their, their properties for various carbon offset projects and how to market them to, um, well, they didn't ask this specifically, but uh, I think they would be smart to do it, to market it to companies who need to generate the credits, right? Um, like insurers who are requiring it um, of projects that they insure for them to be carbon neutral, because all these big insurance companies have signed up to be uh, carbon neutral. Uh, and the only way to do that is to ensure that the people that you're insuring are carbon neutral. And so uh, one of the lines of thinking is that to get insurance in the future, you're going to have to be carbon neutral or buy carbon credits to to make whatever you're doing carbon neutral. Well, if you're an insurance company, why wouldn't you just make the, the, the carbon credit business too and say, oh, you want insurance? You got to sign up to this fucking carbon credit scheme thing too, right? So why wouldn't they sell properties to, or at least start investigating it? Like, how can we provide carbon credits to these sort of entities? And so anyway, that was the second thing. And then minerals they wanted to know about, like, um, you know, how can we market the, the potential for mineral development in these lands? Because they're not um, all like, you know, cattle ranches. Some of them are just like rustic land and wherever, Wyoming or Montana or Colorado. And so interesting. I thought that that's what they wanted to know about and that they found little old me mm. to, to talk about it. Hopefully I can tell them something they don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to you sharing the presentation. You're speaking alongside one of my favorite mm -hmm public faces and I haven't met her in person yet. We, we've been at conferences before, but never had the pleasure of bumping into her. But mm -hmm. Danielle DiMartino Booth, who, who I, you know, former Fed insider, extremely, extremely intelligent woman who really knows her stuff. So should be a, a, a an insightful We're and intelligent say, dialogue there. On their part. I like it. That's all I got. Quick shout out to Mr. Elon Musk, because I know he watches. Um, got the Starlink happening uh, in the Ukraine, sent it out immediately. He gets a lot of shit from a lot of sides for a lot of the, you know, bozo shit that he does on Twitter, because he's, I, I all call him the best billionaire troll on Twitter. Um, really neat to see him step up in that way and go deliver truckloads of, of, of that Starlink uh, satellite service for people that really need it during a time of, of, of need. Um, Quit arguing with people over stupid shit, y'all. Let, let's find more stuff to agree with. Be kind to each other. If we don't agree on something, sometimes it's better to leave it alone. Um, sometimes you got to hit somebody, but that's a whole other conversation. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 159 of Bizarro World. Mr. Hodge, say goodbye for us. See ya.